Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. We're back with another midsummer episode of the Take 10 Podcast here. While college sports have uh, ceased for the summer, we're still rolling here on the show. And we've got another great guest sharing their story and going in-depth on their background as both a former Big Ten athlete and now a Big Ten kind of related entrepreneur. So this week's guest is Adi Kanalik. Adi is a former kicker for the University of Nebraska. Also was the first Bosnian player to play in the NFL. And those are just a couple of facts in what is a very interesting and unique backstory for Mr. Kanalik, uh, which he gets into in depth coming up here in about a uh, 35-40 minute interview on uh, on the show. So Adi talks about obviously his career in Lincoln and then gets into how a business career was born while he was still in school. Uh, he actually met his current business partner uh, on the team at Nebraska and they built a partnership and business model that has taken the form of a company called Open Doors, which Adi is the founder and president of um, today. So gets into that whole story, explains what he does now for a living and how it relates to not just Big Ten sports, but the sports world at large, and also talks uh, a lot about his time at Nebraska and beyond. And uh, at the end, we even get a little bit of Husker football talk in the present day and his thoughts on the Scott Frost era. So a lot of good stuff coming up from Adi Kanalik, and we will get into it in just a moment. Uh, right before we get into that, I want to remind everyone you can subscribe to the show if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and on YouTube on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. So plenty of places to find the show if you're just streaming right now on SoundCloud or haven't downloaded or subscribed yet. So please be sure to do that if you enjoy the show and leave a nice rating um, if you like it and give us our ratings boost because that is always appreciated. All right, laid it out for you and um, describe what's coming up. So we'll get to our interview with Adi Kanalik right now. It is Take 10 Podcast interview with the former Nebraska specialist and kicker. And it starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by a former Nebraska football player who is now making waves in the entrepreneurial field. His name is Adi Kanalik, and he is the founder and president of Open Doors, which is an athlete social media marketing platform. Adi, how's it going, man? Doing pretty good, man. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for thanks for taking some time with me today. And uh, just off the top here, so everyone's on the same page out there listening, I want you to fill everyone in, if you could, on what your main endeavor, Open Doors, is and what it's about and uh, what kind of company you're running uh, with your, your business partner who's also from Nebraska. Yeah, definitely. So Open Doors, uh, we're a 40-person uh, company here at uh, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we're an athlete marketing platform. So uh, well, we, help, uh, we help basically brands, uh, properties, teams, leagues, uh, sponsor, share content with uh, athletes on social. So if you want um, a, an athlete to say something about you or if you just want to share a piece of content with them, um, there's 7,200 athletes that are um, in our network 
and uh, those those teams and those leagues are able to share content with them easily and get it published on onto those, their accounts. Yeah, it's a really cool concept, and um, we'll get into it deeper in a little bit after we talk some football. I had your business partner who I mentioned at the top, Blake Lawrence, also a former Husker on about a year ago, and, and we got into it, and it was a cool discussion, so I'm excited to expand on that a little more. But first, like I said, um, I want to talk a little football because this is a, a BTN geared podcast. And, and on this podcast, I like to get into the backgrounds of all my guests. So with you, Adi, I want to start with you taking me back to before we even knew Blake Lawrence and before you got to Nebraska. Tell me about where you grew up, how you came up, and how you eventually ended up at University of Nebraska. Absolutely, man. So I think this is what something, or I guess a lot of people don't know about my background, but I was, so I was originally born, I was born in Bosnia, and uh, during the war, we actually immigrated to Berlin, Germany. So uh, we were refugees there uh, for about six years. And so uh, once the war ended and we had this kind of opportunity, my family, and so that my mom, dad, and my brother, uh, we, uh, there was the option of going back to you know, a war-torn country or uh, we, we got fortunate to have the opportunity to come to the U.S. So uh, we moved to the U.S. in 2000. Uh, moved to Fort Worth, Texas, and kind of grew up there. So went to high school there, um, you know, went to middle school, went to high school there, and I had my, I was a soccer player basically my entire life. And uh, one of my friends actually asked me or, or proposed that I start kicking football. He's like, hey, you've always had a strong leg, and, and you should probably try this. And um, and I kind of took a liking to it. And my uh, sophomore year of high school, I joined uh, our, our football team, and kind of the rest is history. And it was, it was, uh, it was a good decision to make. Yeah, it's a wild story, obviously. Do you have any early memories of, uh, you know, fleeing a tough conflict in Bosnia, or was it all kind of before you were able to, to really realize what was going on around you? Yeah, I was. I, was, I, I got the, 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 the kind of back end of it, so I, I didn't actually, you know, I was probably four or five years old when we uh, actually left, so I didn't have to actually experience the uh, the war itself, but I think as I started getting older, I started to reflect and look back and really realize, you know, kind of what my parents went through and uh, having to leave their, you know, their home, their friends, their family, and uh, and so I'm very grateful for the way that they raised me and my brother. And so I have an older brother; he's he's seven years older than me, and he kind of had to deal with everything and and be the kind of the guide for them and and for me. And so it was nice to, to have that, but. Um, again, was fortunate enough to not see all of it, but kind of looking back on it, it was it was it's just part of my journey. And uh, again, I, I tell people all the time, you know, when I got my U.S. citizenship, um, you know, years ago, it was it was one of the happiest days of my life, just for understanding and being grateful that you know, moving to this country and kind of seeing the opportunities that it's given me and, and being able to make the most out of it is is something that I cherish and, and value and. Uh, and I, you know, I don't take for granted. And I think it's just kind of a cool thing to, you know, reflect on that, understand, you know, the, the, the opportunity that I have in front of me and have kind of tried to do the most that I can to, uh, to maximize, you know, uh, the, you know, the time that I have and, and everything that I'm currently doing. Yeah. So tell me about your football aspirations when you got to Nebraska being a kicker and a specialist. Did you look beyond, you know, the college level or did you try to focus on some of your business opportunities more when you when you're in your early days in Lincoln yeah so I mean if you look if you think about it this way like I started so I start, started actually kicking footballs when I was a sophomore in high school and 
And really the reason I did it is, one, I, I kind of had a knack for it. I started to kind of perfect my craft there, but I also quickly realized that you can you know, get a college, you, know, you, get, you can get your college paid for it. And so that was like kind of an amazing thing. So going through that process, uh, I've got this funny story. I mean, I, I remember my, my first offer was from uh, University of Connecticut as a junior. And uh, my coach sent me the offer letter and he's like, hey, you know, they want to give you a full ride. And I end up sharing that story with my dad and kind of telling him about it. And he, he didn't believe me, right? So he, you know, it took him a couple of weeks to realize that, you know, they're going to actually pay for my school because he comes from a world where, you know, you've got to work hard for everything you earn. And, and so I think they even then my parents started to realize that this was a big deal. So um, it was it was one of those things where I just was like, I was just, again, thankful to have the opportunity. And then obviously getting an offer from, from Nebraska was uh, super exciting. I came up here on, on my visit and just was fell in love right away. And so um, and then when I when I when I got to Nebraska, I think one of the kind of selling points for me was at the time uh, there wasn't. Uh, they had a uh, kicker. Uh, his name is Jordan Congdon that was there kind of the year before, and he ended up leaving. And so the the selling point for me was that I would be coming into a position or a situation where we didn't have any other kickers to compete with. And so um, so, but then when I got here, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a kind of a redshirt freshman, and he was going to be uh, in uh, Alex Henry and so he was obviously he had a very successful career in Nebraska I ended up becoming a really good friend but um, it, it was one of those things where I got there and, I, and then after that I just tried to make the most out of it and in, in, you know being a kickoff specialist but um, it was a it was a really cool kind of all-in-all experience. All right so I asked uh, your boy Blake about some background notes on you before this interview and he told me you hold the NCAA touchback record from the 30-yard line. Is that true? I believe that is true. <laughs> and that's yeah, one that will stand so, forever, right, because they, they move the, uh, the kickoff spot. Yes. So if you think about it, I mean, it was the, the year that we got there in 07, they had moved it to the 30 from the 35, and literally the year that I graduated, they moved it back to the 35. So um, I had a 125 career touchbacks, uh, and to my knowledge, because, you know, that is, that's a interesting stat that, I was all over and, and tracking, and there's definitely a couple of kickers that were kind of either on the tail end uh, during my career or just starting um, that were, you know, kind of up there in terms of how many, you know, touchbacks they had. But um, I, I feel pretty proud of having that and, um, you know, and, and something that I can, you know, always hold on to forever. All right, if you could, could you frame some of those years with, with what those teams accomplished and maybe. Uh, tell us about some of your favorite memories because those days uh, it was Bo Pelini was your coach I believe and had guys like Prince of Mukamara and Dominican Sue and Rex Burkhead I don't know uh, how many of those guys overlapped with you but could you maybe share some of your favorite memories and, and what you guys accomplished while you were on the roster there yeah yeah so I mean uh, both Blake and I we got there in 07 so that was uh, coach Callahan's you know final year and you know going into the season uh, we were ranked I think in like the top 15 and then we ended up having college game days there for USC and that was 07 was the last time that they've been there but it was kind of the start of the end right I mean Nebraska was this kind of powerhouse and you know I think they quickly realized that uh, it was going to be a different type of season so going through the transition and I I think there's a lot of uh, fans that um, have a kind of a, a bad look or view of Coach Callahan and certainly from a I can understand that sentiment. I, I very much, there's a lot of players that enjoyed him. I think that if he would have had the right staff around him or made some maybe 
um, some better coaching decisions, um, you know, that, that year could have been turned around or, or you know, kind of the, the subsequent years. But got through, got through the year and the, the transition into Bo Pelini was, uh, was a solid one. He, he did a great, you know, in 2008 we had a great year, you know, went to the um, – uh, we went to Jacksonville. It was the what is the you know the Gator Bowl and won that game against Clemson. So that was a super fun year. Uh, I would say that if I had to kind of sum them all up, you know, my senior year was probably the or I guess 2009 was uh, also another year where we just we got all the way to it. And my senior year personally was probably my favorite, just from uh, um, I had probably the best stats and. Um, you know, it was kind of the culmination of all the guys that had signed with that Coach Callahan class that was was still there. And I, I can I think the coolest uh, kind of thing to look back at. I remember it was in 2011. Uh, it was like December of the NFL season, and uh, I had looked at some of the rosters that were out there, and there was there was about I think it was 10 or 11 Huskers from that class that were on active roster, right? So which was crazy, you know. And and so I was. You know, pretty proud to be a part of a class that that uh, you know had that much talent that would go on and play on the next level, and uh, so it was it was kind of a cool way to you know end the end the career and and uh, and then kind of jump into the next thing. Yeah, let's get into that a little bit more before we dive into your entrepreneurial career and what eventually becomes Open Doors. Uh, how, how far were you able to take your football career? And um, I believe Blake also told me the first Bosnian player to. Uh, to make an NFL team. So um, if you get into your professional uh, endeavors in football before we, we get into business, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I got I got to um, – I, I was in the, the, during their lockout year. I got signed by the Carolina Panthers uh, with kind of the promise of, hey, you know, we've got a strong leg. We have uh, – they had John Casey on the roster at the time, and they – the Carolina Panthers were also the only team in the NFL, one of the only teams in the NFL that would typically carry a kickoff specialist. So I get kind of the lockout ends, and they tell me like, "Hey, we'll bring you in." Uh, Casey was an older kicker, and they're like, "We'll have them kick for this year, and you'll be a specialist kickoff specialist this year." And then after that, you know, you can take on all the duties because uh, during the off season, you know, when we were training or when I was, you know, doing my tryouts with all the NFL teams, they could see that I could kick. You know, and, and even you know, in a in a kind of one on one, one to one, you know, uh, combat with Alex Henry on pro day, you know, I'm I'm making all my kicks and and doing the same things that he's doing, and so I think I had exposure from all the NFL teams, and, and they were all there because of Prince uh, being a first rounder, uh, and so I think that there was a hey, this guy can do it all. Um, he's just this is one of the specialties. So uh, I get to Carolina, and I think you know I signed my contract, and with about Within, I think it was within 24 or 48 hours, um, I see on a news ticker that they signed Alindo Mari and that they've cut Casey, and uh, and so it was kind of for me it was a, a a true welcome to the NFL or the shock of how quickly things move and uh, that it's not necessarily any nothing is really personal. It's just it comes down to stats, numbers, and you know uh, people that are available, and so it was kind of a you know a rude awakening in a way. I, when I talked to the special teams coach and he told me, he's like, Hey, Audie, I know this sucks, right? Um, I know we had a plan for you here, but he's like, you know, if, if you do, you if you do a great job, you know, in the ops, you know, in the, in, in camp and in the preseason, you're going to have great film and, you know, who knows, uh, you'll be able to do something with that. And so, um, I kind of, you know, took that and said, you know what, I, 
that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do my best. And had an opportunity to kick in the preseason. You know, it was five of five on all my field goals. Uh, had a chance to record some kickoffs, and so that was a great experience. And and you know, ended up getting cut right before the the first week of the season. And uh, one of the things that Coach Rivera told me was, you know, when when they were letting me go, he's like, "Yeah, Adi, I I think you're going to kick in this league, and um, uh, you you've got a you know you've got a a great talent and a, and um, and he's like if we could keep you we would love to but uh, I promise you know I'll help you you know land another team and at the time I kind of took it with you know it's whatever I'm getting let go and I went back to Lincoln and went back to you know doing uh, you know jumping into the first company in Blake and I started but um, it was a couple of weeks later uh, I was towards the end of the season I think week 13 of the NFL season where I get a call from the Carolina Panthers and uh, and they they find me back in and, and they sign me literally the second that I got in on that Monday and it was to compete with Alindo because he was struggling uh, that season and so uh, it was always funny I tell the story of, of going up into the front office with with uh, Carolina and, and running to coach Rivera and he's like winking at me and he's like I told you we'd bring you back and so uh, it, was a, it was it was cool to have that and, and just like that experience with them and, and I finished the season with the, with the Panthers uh, and then in the spring, I think it was in February or March, I was back in Lincoln, you know, working, and um, I get a phone call that uh, the, the GM has uh, moved to sign a kicker from Canada and that they've let me go. And so that was kind of another one. I was like, okay, well, I've, I've, I've done everything I can here, and, you know, um, and it's just kind of not really playing my cards. And so uh, the kind of the last team that I spent time with was the Denver Broncos, um, that summer, went out there, was kicking with them. Um, again, had a great summer camp, and um, and then they uh, ended up giving the uh, contract extension to Matt Prater. And you know, he's had a great year. You know, you know, great couple of years with them. So it was one of those things where I'm bouncing around. I'm trying to do my entrepreneurial stuff. I'm trying to you know play in the NFL. And kind of later that year, I realized um, I had to work out with Buffalo Bills. I came back from that and Blake and I sat down, we had a conversation and I, I had this kind of epiphany of, you know, I, it would be difficult for me to, you know, we were almost two years into our first business and it was hard for me to continue to lead people and also kind of be one foot out, you know, trying to do the NFL thing. And uh, ultimately I decided it would be best for me to just forego that. And, you know, I kind of, um, you know, exit out on top, you know, I've had, didn't miss any kicks, did all my stuff. It just wasn't playing for me. And I called my agent and said, Hey, don't call me anymore. Uh, I'm done doing this. I've got my business. I'm going to focus on this. And, uh, and that was kind of the end of it. So, uh, great experience, made some amazing friends, met some amazing people, did some amazing things on the field and, and kind of got to say that I played in the NFL and, and, um, and that was, I think a cool feeling and some great memories, but, Ultimately, when I look back on it now, it was a great decision because the, the stuff that we were going to end up doing with, with uh, our companies, it's just uh, it's uh, that much more rewarding because of you know, where we're at now. Right, and the old cliche is uh, you know, NFL is a business and, and you end up leaving the NFL to actually go into business or focus full-time on your business. So you talked about making some friends in the league and, and – Obviously, there's going to be a lot of overlap in your current endeavor with uh, the connections you made there and getting athletes eventually on your platform. And it also sounds like there was some overlap when you were at Nebraska with your business partner slash teammate, 
Blake and your and your guys' ventures that you kind of started in school. So how did you split your time in school between football and uh, growing your business, your ideas, and how did what you know the current uh, entity you have today? How did how did it kind of become what it is uh, while you were at school in Nebraska? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean. The crazy thing is, I think we were just young and had all the energy in the world and just didn't know any better. Um, I tell people all the time that my fall semester of my senior year, you know, Blake and I had started Heard At, which was our first company. It was a social media agency, uh, which we provided services, social media services for brands who didn't have the time, knowledge, or resources to do it themselves. And so my fall semester, I think I was taking like 19 credit hours. So I... Alex, I would wake up at, you know, five, five o'clock in the morning, go up to the stadium. We would have our running drills. Uh, after that, I'd have a workout, uh, you know, from six, you know, 15 to about seven 30, uh, go have breakfast. And then I'd have my first class, uh, from, you know, eight 39 all the way till 1230, uh, one o'clock I'd have quick lunch. And then, you know, uh, by two o'clock I was, um, you know, you know, out in the, you know, meeting with the team for our kind of team meeting before practice. Then we would go watch film, you know, two to three and hang out and then practice would start about 3.30, you know, four o'clock, you know, you have practice till about six, uh, 6.30 you're having dinner. And then after that, you know, from 7.30 to nine, I would, you know, work on uh, school stuff, write homework, different things like that. Um, and then probably from like nine, 9.30 to 10.30, 11, I would uh, work on her that stuff, you know, writing content, following up with clients, making sure that uh, we're delivering on our promise. And then, you know, about 11:30 or so, I would I would sometimes find time to go out and 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 have a social life with uh, uh, with some of my friends. So it was that for an entire semester, you know, and then some. Uh, and I, I tell people if I had to do that today, uh, you know, at, at 30 years old, I would probably like die in like two days. <laughs> it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. So, uh, I think there's just, you've got so much, um, again, there's the, there's the energy that you have. There's the, just like the, the almost kind of like you're naive in a way to like understanding like what you're really capable of, right? Like you, so you, you look at it and you're just like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And um, I think early on, because you don't have all the answers, you just kind of go with, you know, whatever you can accomplish. But uh, the, the, the key thing in that was that I knew that football could be a thing, but I also knew that I was building something which I didn't know what it was going to be with my best friend. And uh, as long as we were going to provide value for people, like it, w- it would eventually turn into something bigger. And, uh, and that kept me pretty focused and, um, and, uh, and, you know, putting in the work that I needed to. Yeah, it sounds like the grind was, was real. And it's always interesting to look back. You made a good point. Like in, when you see what you did at the time and you kind of surprise yourself with what you were capable of doing with just jam-packing yeah. your schedule. Um, and just to kind of re uh, reiterate what open doors is it's it's a way to get athletes to make it easy for them to share their own content we're talking graphics videos highlights whatever and i'm always uh kind of curious with how these ideas start and looking at your background i'm curious how much of that has to do with you being a special teams uh player a kicker and and maybe it was harder for you to get some of that shine as a kicker and, and find some you know, highlights of yourself or, or photos, did that play into 
the original concept for Open Doors at all, or am I just uh, am I just projecting here? No, you're you're right. I mean, in, in some ways, I mean the the kind of the our story, the way it really ties back into is Blake and I were writing content for you know for a lot of our brands. Well, uh, shortly we had a lot of brands that that saw the power of athletes and their influence, and you know guys like Prince Mukamara, they were. You know, here's our buddy, and and a, we have a local car dealership saying, "Hey, I'd love for him to share something on social." And uh, we're like, "Yeah, we'll make the connection." Well, what we realized is getting Prince to actually share that piece of content, like sending it to him, him copying and pasting, like it just was, it wasn't gonna happen. He's so busy. I mean, and then his following jumped from, you know, overnight it 10x when he got drafted in the first round. So these guys are busy, and they had a lot of different people in their lives. So. What we really looked at it is like there's really no easy solution to getting a piece of content to an athlete or really to connect with them in the first place. And so the original idea for Open Doors was try to streamline and make that simple. Uh, we, we kind of imagined this world where you as a brand could log into our platform, find the athlete that you want to work with, kind of see what some of their follower demographics are and maybe also how much it would cost for you to work with them. But ultimately, um, be able to share content with them that they could, you know, that would automatically publish on their accounts if they, you know, clicked approve, if they were okay with it. And building that technology is what really changed the game because we saw how many people had an issue with that. So it wasn't just sponsors looking to work with athletes. It was, you know, eventually teams and, and leagues who were saying, hey, we're looking to help our athletes. We, we have, you know, we go to practice and, you know, take a, a thousand photos and we'd love to, you know, provide those photos to these athletes so that they can both grow their brands on social but also grow ours, grow our platform. And so we kind of created this world where both parties win and, um, and people who have content, you know, creators are able to, um, you know, use our platform to then send, you know, because to send content to, uh, 10, 50, 100 different athletes and really kind of scale their marketing efforts. And so at the core, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was an initial problem to solve for Prince and some of, the, some of our friends that we played with, which was like, hey, I'm not gonna send you, th- you know, send you this in an email or text it to you and hope that you're gonna you know, post it. I'm gonna just send you a text. You can click on the link and click approve and then everything is automatically scheduled. And once we had that figured out, it was like, okay, this can apply to so many different models and there's going to be people, um, you know, in the future who are going to want this level of access and reliability. And we just kind of made, made that an easy thing. So you and Blake and, um, I, I assume as we went along, some other employees were beginning to build this business and, and in the startup space, it's obviously very tough. So how did you guys take it from, okay, it's in front of Prince of Mukamara and maybe other handful of athletes and scale that, to hundreds and then eventually thousands of athletes and how much of a grind was it early on in the startup space when uh you know you kind of have to do everything yourself i feel like people who work in more established companies don't always realize the little things that a small company has to manage so what was that like yeah i would say it's, it's a combination of things um uh, i think time is is definitely a part of it right like it takes time to build trust with a lot of athletes and with uh, a lot of agents with a lot of brands so I think that's kind of a, a thing that you can expedite like so the the on, on a long-term scale like you're gonna get that right but I think one of the core things that's made open doors different from the companies that have maybe entered this market 
and have already like failed or you know moved into a different vertical or even some recent people who have jumped in is that we have very much stuck true to our core uh, which is to help an athlete, right? We we exist to help athletes, and so um, we we didn't you know start this company to um, you know help brands or to like those are our customers and they and our partners they've used the tool, um, but one one thing we realized is like we're gonna make this was an athlete uh, marketing like this is for athletes to make their lives easier, and uh, if you make an athlete's life easier, everybody else wins, right? And I think because we've stuck true to that vision. Uh, to make athletes more accessible, to help them. Uh, everybody else has kind of been able to, you know, reap the rewards from that. So, uh, and again, I think as a company, when you can make your focal point, your vision, the reason that you exist, be something that stays true, um, that allows you to build trust on it, that allows you to be genuine, that allows you to be authentic with everyone that you work with, um, there's a lot of cool things that come out of that. So I think that if we would have, started the business and not had that kind of as our as our you know vision or like the, the mission of why we exist it would have been difficult because we would have maybe started to cater more we would have said hey you know we exist for these customers or we exist for uh these partners and that stuff fluctuates and i think that your partners you know they are very much your lifeblood uh, but at the core we said hey if we take care of athletes and we help them um, everybody else that's in their lives that wants to share content with them will just benefit from that. And so um, I think that is one of the kind of key things, uh, that and, and time, and just, you know, knowing that it's not going to, you know, you can't start something with the mindset that, hey, I, I want to turn this around in, you know, three, four years. Like, it, it just takes time. And um, from the original idea to where we're at now, I mean, we're coming up on, you know, eight years. So. Uh, I think it's it's one of those things. It's just like it shows what persistence and commitment can do to a vision um, that doesn't change. It, it gets a lot of people excited about it. Yeah, and to kind of tie this all together and, and bring it back to the college sports that we cover here at BTN, I'll give a couple examples. Um, you guys started as a liaison between companies or brands and athletes, and, and full disclosure, Big Ten Network has used Open Doors, and we do use Open Doors, um, and we've used you guys in the past to pay an athlete to either maybe promote a show or tweet something on our behalf. So we could say, for example, Frank Kaminsky or someone like that, we paid them X amount of dollars to tweet what we want them to, to tweet or maybe tweet out a, a promo. And then you guys uh, recently have taken it beyond that. Um, you got more involved in the college space. And obviously, since players can't get paid, there has to be uh, other angles that you guys take because you kind of alluded to it earlier. These schools want to use you guys for their visibility and to build their brand. I mean, I've seen stories done on some of the best social media shops in college sports, like Ohio State and Clemson's football programs. They're always mentioned as as pioneers in the space. They build out these large staffs to help create online brands, and they have videos, graphics, etc. And they, and they get these con- pieces of content to all their players. So schools are realizing now how important this is, and you guys are, are now in that space. So can you get deeper into how you guys are, are starting to and, and have been using colleges and conferences to reach these athletes and get their content out to fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good one, good question too. And I think the um, it's understanding that Open Doors has essentially two kind of, you know, business models or, or offerings. I mean, there's the one side of, 
of the, the transactional side, which, which is what, you know, BTN pays us to connect them with a pro athlete. And I think that's always been part of our business model. And, uh, and, and because of our relationships, we can do that and expedite the process. And then there's the other side of the, of the kind of, um, you know, the way that we serve customers is, you know, a university wants to share content with uh, its student athletes uh, and, and also maybe its alumni and uh, they're able to use our platform to get that content to them and, and make sure it gets published. Uh, the cool part about that and where it kind of, you know, came, how it all came to be is, you know, three years ago, like nobody was even thinking about it, right? So we, we, we had our first conversation with Nebraska uh, three years ago, and we were telling them, like, hey, your channels um, are very limited, right? So if you think about them, let's just say they have a million followers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, if they create amazing content, um, you know, graphics, videos to do, you know, just to, to talk about the brand, uh, you know, to get people excited about the football season, it's very limited to how many people can see it and how many people can, where they can share it. You know, they only have those three channels. We said, hey, what if we... Uh, what if you could send that to 50 alumni or 100 alumni, you know? And the cool part was they were one, they were super excited about that. They're like, we'd love that. But then also the other side, the athletes love that too because they want to support their alma mater. They want to support their teammates. Uh, they want to support the stories and the, the excitement around, you know, a season. And so we kind of figured out this world where athletes are very much, you know, a lot of their followers are, you know, uh, are people that, you know, follow them when they were at the university. And, and so them having content, uh, you know, whether it's a throwback Thursday of them and their playing days or just like, hey, like, shout out to the volleyball team for, you know, making it to the final four. Like, they want to share that kind of stuff and they love supporting the alma mater. So we kind of created this world where it's that relationship is the university gets the benefit because they get to share that with the athletes and help them build their brands. And the athletes will benefit because they don't have to go and find that content or curate it themselves. It's just ready to be published. And so we really kind of built that out. And, and now we have, you know, we have, um, you know, hundreds of properties that use us uh, to, to send content. And it's all the way from the high school space uh, down to, you know, college properties, um, you know, all the way to pro teams. And, and we have a very clear distinction in our platform of, uh, you know, pro athletes and, and amateur athletes and, and have a very compliant way of, of making everything work. And so I think that's what's kind of given us, uh, you know, um, you know, a, a lot of, I guess, advantage to how we position what we do and, and how we serve different types of customers. Yeah. And if you're a Big Ten fan and you scroll Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you realize why the legitimate programs have invested in making this part of their recruiting pitch. Like, I don't think I don't think people fully grasp, at least of uh, some demographics, how much these young athletes pay attention to their peers and want to kind of have a similar experience, but also want to carve their own path through highlights, through people promoting them with, with graphics, with, with making them look good. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's huge, man. I mean, it is the, the, the activity and the quality around that. I mean, it's just what everybody craves now, and it's kind of become uh, an expectation. And, uh, and we just want to, you know, kind of have our, our place to be able to help out as much as we can and, and wherever that is. All right. Before we wrap up, Adi, just a, a couple more Open Doors related questions, just looking ahead because it wouldn't be business or, or the business of sports without some competition. So now your idea is out there. You guys are established. 
who are you kind of competing with in the space and how do you how do you make sure that Open Doors is the best at providing the service now that concepts kind of out there and and um, you know these these athletes are accessible to a variety of brands agencies and and uh, other agents really. Yeah, so I'm not going to like name any names. I think that our, our our big thing Alex is like we really champion anyone that is help that's helping athletes like we're all behind them, right? So there's there's a couple of different companies that are out there doing it, and like we love what you know, like hey, you guys are doing that. All that means is that there's more athletes uh, sharing more content, connecting with more fans, and and really making the most out of you know what they're doing with their with their brands online. So our big thing is we we try to say hey, we are very good at you know getting content published on these channels, right? So. Uh, beyond just you know providing content to athletes and making it accessible, uh, our biggest thing for existing is uh, getting content published on on the channel so that the properties are able to see kind of where who's who's sharing what, when they're sharing it, how it's performing, and and really going back to being more of an um, you know outcome based marketing platform. So uh, I think that there's um, you know a couple of different players that are. Uh, they're in the space. They're again serving athletes, or you know, serving partners who are working with athletes, and and uh, anyone that's willing to do that in our head is is doing a good thing because it's elevating the overall kind of athlete-driven movement. Um, and so we 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 very much support that. And you know, just like anything, competition is real. It makes it makes business more fun. Uh, we're all athletes. It gets us it gets us um, you know um, excited about the opportunities about. You know, you know, innovating and, and and getting more creative with how we get out there. But uh, at the core, we know why we exist, um, and and it's 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 really to uh, provide the most value to the you know the partners that work with athletes, but ultimately help these guys um, kind of you know grow their grow their brands on through social and and you know um, and and have a great time doing it. One more question about kind of looking ahead and uh, the future, uh, and what it might hold for you guys. I look at high school athletes looking to market themselves to college programs and looking to get recruited and trying to get their tape out there and, and their stats out there. Is that something that you guys envision uh, getting deeper into as far as being able to help younger and younger athletes who really live 24-7 on these social platforms elevate their own personal brand? Absolutely. No, I mean, listen, we have we, we, we have a a recruiting playbook if you will and understand the power of that and what we're doing is we're helping um, both on the college side and on the high school side uh, these schools uh, help their athletes really best position themselves through content and through some of the things they're doing every day in their community uh, to uh, you know to college properties and we feel that that's a that is where the future is going Um, I think it's it's like anything if you um, if if you're able to share that and, and get traction around that and uh, if you have a good film, I mean, getting more eyeballs on it, 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 it everybody wins, right? So uh, we have, you know, various playbooks, and the the one that we, you know, that we will, you know, share with people all the time. Our partners is our recruiting playbook, and gives you kind of a, an idea of how to approach that. And uh, our our big thing, Alex, is again, you know, with having a forty person team, uh, we're able to offer more than just a software, and be more than a platform, and really be a partner and I think anytime you can do that, people are able to come to you and, and get the most out of uh, kind of the, the combination of, of software and services. And, uh, and that's something that we believe in and something that our, our partners value and also something that we just enjoy doing. And so, as you can imagine, being 
we've been at this for you know seven seven going on eight years so there's a lot of experience and uh, expertise in social media and athletes and sports and I think all of that combined gives people uh, a really good kind of offering when they work with us. Yeah, it's crazy seeing some of the platforms that have kind of popped up in the last few years and have become really popular, like Overtime or Ball is Life, where high school highlights get posted. And I'm looking back at my own like high school playing days. I'm glad it wasn't around because I probably would have been on there getting dunked on, <laughs> dunked on or embarrassed at some point. So I'm glad that wasn't around. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I mean, it's again, it's it's going to continue to grow like top down, right? Like there's just there is so much um, and people in yeah, overtime, they've just figured it out. It's a, it's a, such a good model. Um, but again, anything that's drawing attention, that's that's drawing exposure to some amazing things that athletes do at such a young age, like that's what people want to see and I think we're going to continue to see that grow um, as as time moves. All right, I'm just curious because anyone who's clicked on this podcast has seen the title and they see how you spell your company's name, uh, O-P-E-N-D-O-R-S-E. It's a genius name because you guys are opening doors for athletes. So who thought of the name? Uh, i got to give credit to Blake on that one. <laughs> it, he, he definitely did, man. I, I, I take credit for our first company, uh, but the, the second one, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a, a long brainstorm, and um, he's, he's, he's pretty good with that stuff. I always tell him, I was like, you got 20 ideas. Um, but 19 of them are crap, uh, and every now and then one of them is pretty good, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you on that one. Yeah, you were talking about it earlier your, your first company heard that. That's pretty good too. I mean, that's that's uh, it fits the slang in, and it it's pretty catchy. But uh, open doors, that's solid. And you guys got the good logo too with the doors. So uh, props to you guys yeah, on that. Um, that. Uh, one last question, Adi, to to wrap us up here and kind of put a bow on everything. I got to ask about your alma mater and the football program uh just get your general thoughts i mean obviously scott frost has kind of tried to manage expectations but once the hype train gets going as you know there and gets rolling in a place like nebraska it's hard to contain so what are your expectations here for this season and then uh beyond that as this program continues to build yeah well i i listen i think it's i think everything he's doing he's doing the right way um he's got He's got the, the Nebraska DNA, the fabric in him. Uh, so I think it's going to be hard for him to do it any other way, right? So, and uh, from what I've heard and, and seen so far, he's, he's damn good at leadership, which is one of the key essential things to uh, building a, an amazing program because leadership is all about surrounding yourself with great people and respecting them and letting them kind of do their jobs. and. Uh, what what Scott's done so far, and and even in his you know time with UCF, like it, it's it's amazing. So I think that turning a program like Nebraska around, or just like getting a program like Nebraska to kind of that national level where we're just in the top ten all the time, like that takes time. And so I think I think that all the right pieces continue to grow, and we start we're starting to continue to really kind of see some of those elements come together. I I feel like this year will be a solid year. Um, you know maybe eight, nine wins, you know, and, and I think that would be a good year. It's another building year, but like nothing, like, I just don't, I just hope that Nebraska fans understand that anything that's worth, that's great, that's worthwhile, like it just takes time to develop because if it, because if you get there by year three or four, you're going to be there for a while, right? If you get there like right away, 
there's a little bit of a, man, like, can we keep this going? So um, he's making all the right moves. Um, he's, he's taking his time. He's, he's foundational, right? And that's, I think, anyone that, that uh, comes into something new and kind of, you know, knows that it's all about building the right foundation, you know, maybe getting some of the, the players that shouldn't even be there in the first place out, uh, which he did early on. Like, that's, that's a really cool thing to see from a coach. And um, so I think that the expectations are always going to be high. We're at Nebraska. That's a standard. But, like, I feel that Nebraska being on the national level is, is kind of what subconsciously, like, maybe a lot of people want. Like, it's just good to have a powerhouse on top and, and uh, have maybe some of those old rivalries kind of come back um, back on the scene. So um, I, I love what he's doing. Um, I'm, I'm not – I don't get too bogged down on, like, getting all the way, like, oh, I predict this, this, and that. But uh, I just feel like we're heading in the right direction and I'll be happy with the progress that we make this year uh, because I know that, you know, year three, four, five, we're going to be, you know, killing it. All right, well said. Adi, you've been more than uh, generous with your time. Really appreciate it. We'll be uh, continuing to follow your guys' endeavors as you do big things with Open Doors, and it's cool to see you guys doing it in a Big Ten city. So I thank you for coming on and telling us a little bit about it. Absolutely. Thanks again, Alex. Appreciate it, man. And, um Enjoy the enjoy sharing a little bit of the story. So, um, thanks for the time. For sure. All right. Thanks once again to Adi for joining us. Really interesting backstory. Um, you know, it's it's cool to hear how he got to the U.S. and eventually how his career in football and beyond in, in the business world blossomed. Kind of got buried at the beginning there, but uh, it's wild how he was a refugee with his family and eventually made it to the U.S. and obviously is having uh, great success in the business world and is making a difference in a Big Ten city because uh, we kind of touched on it. Open Doors' headquarters are still in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think they split time between Lincoln and New York City and have a couple of offices. So it's neat if you've ever been down to, to Lincoln and kind of the Haymarket District. Um, you see a lot of newer buildings and investments, and I know Huddle is, is a big company that's there and is a, a sports highlights company in, in the high school space, and it's kind of a Silicon Prairie thing they got going in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Open Doors is obviously a big part of that. So cool to get Adi's story, and, and um, once again, I appreciate him coming on for 40 minutes or so to talk about it. All right, we'll keep it rolling here on the Take 10 Podcast, and... Um, Moving along as we get deeper into summer, we will be on the BTN bus tour soon, going around to every campus as we do each year on the annual tour, and we'll be getting plenty of interviews with Big Ten football players at each school, and we'll be rolling that out throughout August, so stay tuned for that. I want to thank everyone who had a part in putting this show together. I want to thank Wes White and Julie Bronner, my producers, as always, for putting the show together. I want to thank everyone out there for listening. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 Podcast.